Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, there is no guest, so it's just myself and Susan, and we talk about how to beat burnout and the implications of the pandemic on burnout. It's incredibly hard and it's been a while and I'm sure most of you and a lot of your employees are suffering with burnout. So definitely you're gonna wanna check this episode out. For all things leadership, for all things leadership consulting, coaching, leadership programs, the burnout program, and all the new assessments that we've brought on over the last few weeks here, including predictive index, including any of the Odaptics, remote and behavior leadership assessments, and the FocusCom EEG device. You can go to EliteHighPerformance.com and find all the information there. There's also a link on our website where you can connect and book a 15-minute call with me to jump on and we can discuss if any of those things are right for you. So definitely, if you have any needs, whether that's from a leadership perspective, from a burnout perspective, from a personal perspective, reach out. You can book me for a 15-minute call and we can jump on and see if anything that we have is right for you. We would love it if you shared the Leadership Launchpad project with the favorite, your favorite leaders in your life, with your colleagues, with the HR department at where you work, and any of the friends in your life. We would really appreciate that. Thank you in advance for doing that. And as well, if you like the show, hit subscribe and drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us get found by other leaders throughout the world. Everyone, I really appreciate you listening. I hope you're enjoying the fall season. And here is the discussion about how to beat burnout. We are live. Welcome back to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski, and as always, we have our in-house maverick, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? I knew you were going to take that ball and run with it. Thank you, Mike Zaddy, for, <laughs> for calling my uh, profile out. What's it called again on the PI index? My profile, right? Yep, your your behavioral assessment profile. <laughs> I'm a maverick. I'm high flying. This maverick's high flying. It's Friday. It's almost the weekend. And it just suddenly turned into winter here in Toronto. How about you, sir? How's the weather out in Edmonton? Yeah, it's funny. We were, well, it's been cool here for a while. Um, and I've heard word that there's going to be snow next week. So we'll oh, see. Oh, here it comes. It's, it's, it's actually not too bad because we usually have snow by Halloween. So we're, we're back in action here in Edmonton. Time to get out those parkas and toques. <laughs> That's what we call it up here north of the border for all of our American friends. Yeah. And, and so I wanted to start off with a quote today. And it comes from Dr. Rick Hansen, who wrote the book, Happiness. And he's talking about grit. And so he says, grit, 
It's what remains after all else has been ground down. This mental resource can help us cope with and push through obstacles in our lives. It is the key to true resilience. And the reason I picked this quote actually is it's probably the reason I'm still here, but it's also the grit for, at least for athletes, we learn and we train it our entire lives to sort of show up. And I, I think for, for a lot of people, and this is actually what I'm working on this week with my therapist, is like, how do we give ourselves compassion enough to pivot? And it was funny because the article my therapist sent me was like, we're, we're going to do the opposite, basically. And the article was a lot of the things that it says in the article is the opposite of what we would do as high achiever athletes. It's like, when you want to stay at home and lie in your bed, get up and do something. And it's like, for me, she's like recommending the opposite. opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that makes so much sense though, right? Because I think in the context of sports, it's great to be able to have a resiliency reserve is kind of how I think of that, or a resiliency fund, right? Where it's like, when you really have to push through those last five minutes of the third period, you're down a goal, you got to dig all the way down into your skates to find the energy to push, right? And to try to close that gap and and score in time. Um, But yeah, like when you actually think about that in the context of life, especially what we've just gone through over the last two years, right? Um, yeah, I think that that can become a reckless strategy for motivation because if we are constantly pushing through, totally neglecting those boundaries, if that just is who we are and what we, you know, are so proud of is the fact that we're, we have grit and we have perseverance, then all of a sudden that really can land us in some pretty dangerous territories, both psychologically and physiologically. And that's what we're here to talk about today. Right, sir? That's where we're here to start today. And so today we wanted to talk a little bit about burnout just because mm-hmm. of the level that we're seeing it out there. Mm-hmm. And I know a few of the companies that I've been working with recently, they've been taught, well, their their folks have been talking a lot about burnt out and like feeling like they're just, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. Um, and I have this study from McKinsey that's talking about women in the workplace, but it has obviously statistics for both men and women. They polled over 65,000 employees in North America, and they say 42% of women and 35% of men are feeling burnt out in 2021. And this is up from, it's 10% up for women this year compared to last year, and it's up for from it's up 7% for men mm-hmm. um, from last year to this year. So 32 and 28% respectively. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's increasing. And obviously, it makes sense if we just think about the context of what burnout truly is, which is just prolonged stress, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we've just added another year to, to the stress of COVID. So what do you, I guess, Susan, like, what are you seeing with some of the folks that you're working with? Yeah, I mean, here's the reality that I see. You're right. We're coming down the pipeline here in 2021. It's end of year. I mean, 
in a non-pandemic year, that is a very, very stressful time. Q4 is where everybody feels that pressure, right, in the business world. Um, and so, yeah, but the reality is this is the second lap around the track in terms of sustaining all of these very stressful circumstances in terms of the disruption of the pandemic, right? So it makes sense that we are seeing the burnout is actually rampant again. I think we took a little bit, you know, we got a little bit better over the summer months. People were headed to the cottage. They were taking care of themselves a little bit better, right? But um, but yeah, now that we're we're pushing towards the final month of 2021, I'm definitely seeing it ramp back up um, across all boards. You know, um, I know these stats reflect that it's slightly higher with women, and I think you know, that stands to reason, right? I think I was reading an article in the Globe and Mail. It was talking about just some of the disproportionate amounts of stress and pressure that the females have been experiencing because maybe maybe they had to work from home, but whilst homeschooling the children, I know that was my circumstance, you know, I had to do both. I had to wear both hats and that's what burnout is. Bur- burnout is it's prolonged stress response, right? It's where we are not completing that stress response cycle, right? Because maybe the conditions that we've been trying to sustain have not allowed it, you know, like in my circumstance, homeschooling and working, there wasn't a lot of space, right? In terms of me being able to get out the front door and go for one of my notorious runs to complete my, my stress response. (laughs) Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's the reality that I see is like, we're two years into this thing. This thing has been super stressful because disruption, that's what triggers the amygdala, right. In in, in the brain, it triggers that stress response, which is like a fire hose, you know, of, of neurochemistry just coursing through that body. And again, if we don't have adaptive ways to be able to complete that, then we start to break down psychologically and, and physiologically. Yeah. And it's basically, right, like you're talking about cortisol, which is our mm-hmm. stress response, right? And it's it's kind of like if you imagine coffee, like if you don't sleep and you drink coffee, yeah. At some point, like you can drink a lot of coffee and then it's something like, I think it's the, the actually the American Air Force did a study on it, but it's something yeah. like around 36 hours where coffee no longer does anything for you. It just yeah. like increases your heart rate, um, but you're actually like losing a lot of the mental resources and it's kind of similar, right? Yeah. It's If we run in this like sympathetic state we're very much like one is we lose mental resources to think and brainstorm and all these things, but it's like at some point your body just like you can't sustain that. Yeah. And so you'll start to break, like what you said, break down. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the problem, right? When I'm working um, on this, cause you know, we've started offering these breaking burnout programs to our, our leadership teams because burnout's been so rampant. And I have them working with the stoplight method, it's called, right, where they're just really learning about the stress response cycle. I mean, that's the reality. Nobody taught us these lessons in school. They're certainly not teaching these things in business school, although I really believe that they probably should entertain that idea. 
Um, yeah, it's just really teaching them, you know, it's okay. Like stress is a normal part of life, right? We all experience stress and stress actually can be very adaptive. It can be what helps, you know, us to push through these really challenging times. And so I think it's just really, it's, it's all about helping people understand the difference between, you know, having a little bit of that stress, a little bit of that cortisol, a little bit of that adrenaline that just helps you push through when you really need it to. And then what starts to happen when you recklessly abuse that by staying in that sympathetic overdrive too long, right? Is that then we actually start to see exhaustion kicking in and we start to see, you know, all of this kind of cognitive malfunctioning that you referred to a second ago, lack of mental resources, but people really just starting to kind of have a sort of a distance from their work, right? Where they're sort of looking a little bit disengaged or apathetic or, or even just starting to get sick, you know, like that's what we were talking about before we started the, the recording is like, everybody's getting colds now, everybody's getting flus, everybody's starting to break down because they, you know, when you stay in that sympathetic state too long and you're not practicing that periodization of, of periods of active engagement with periods of active disengagement, then all of a sudden that's where you start to get beyond a red light, you're in like the danger zone at that point, because that's where we start to really worry about irreparable damage, you know, from a mental health uh, perspective and, and your physiological health perspective. Yeah. And, and like for people out there, right. So there's three pillars of burnout that sort of in a Venn diagram fit together mm-hmm. and it's exhaustion, both mentally, mentally, physically, and emotionally, there's the and the cynicism that ramps yeah. up, and that's we lose connection with what we do. Mm-hmm. And then there's the efficacy, which is basically because we're so tired, we're unable to be good at what we do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's it's kind of like those three things come together, and we see burnout. And yeah. so. Gallup here actually did a survey of 7,500 employees, and they're talking about the top five reasons for burnout. And they have these five, which is unfair treatment at work, unmanageable workload, lack of role clarity, lack of communication and support from their manager, unreasonable time pressure, and a sixth reason could be insufficient rewards for effort. Mm-hmm. And also HBR adds to that list and says loneliness can add to this list as well as number seven. And I actually I've seen that pop up with a few of the leaders that I've been working with. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's another piece, right? Is like if you're an extroverted person, you love connection, you've been sitting at home yeah. <laughs> roughly alone for a long time. And so it can definitely be draining yeah. for the extroverted folks out there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that that has been, you know, really the biggest issue with all of this disruption, right? Is that one of the biggest triggers of our stress response is lack a perception that we are lacking control in some way, shape or form over our lives, that we don't have a sense of agency or autonomy, right? And I think that has been, the case for most of us, right? Whether or not we're, we're isolated because we're stuck at home and we just, we can't get out to see our friends and our family because the nature of 
you know, being isolated from this pandemic, or if it's that we're not feeling like we have control over the conditions with work. Like I know a lot of the conversations I'm having right now this week in the chair are the stresses that are occurring because, you know, these return to work policies that are starting to pop up, (laughs) you know, where people don't feel like they have a choice in terms of feeling ready to go back to work. They're being mandated to go back to work or they're being mandated to get vaccinated so that they could go back to work. Right. I mean, that, that really is something that I think we're, we're seeing across all those examples that you just listed is like the need for control, the need for a sense of control over our lives. I think that that is like one of the biggest, biggest, most important keys to being able to manage burnout. And let's talk about that. Like there is a massive disconnect in the return to work. Mm-hmm. And I know like I was part of it yeah. and it, it led to me wanting, well, quitting my job. Um, but there's also, so the the forum, Future Forum Poll Survey has some statistics on this one. And it says of the people surveyed, 44% of executives said they wanted to work in the office every day. Mm-hmm. And only 17% of employees wanted to work in the office every day. Three, yeah. qu- So 75% of executives said they wanted to work in the office three to five days a week. And basically only 34%, so less than half of the employees said the same thing. Well, about a third, but there's a disconnect here. And two-thirds of executives reported they were designing post-pandemic work force plans with little to no direct input employees uh, from employees. And yet 94% said that they were moderately confident that the policies matched employee expectation. So self-awareness 101. Um, I believe that I'm doing things that people like, even though I never asked them. You know what they say about assumptions, Rob. I'm not going to say it on our show because I don't want us to get in trouble. But I think that's a massive disconnect that would create a ton of stress, right? It's like we talk about on this show all the time, the importance of psychological safety, you know, and where people don't feel seen, where people don't feel heard, where they don't even feel considered. Like these, these people are making all of these policies without even asking their people how they feel about it or asking for their input. I mean, you might as well get the megaphone out and say, we don't care what you want. (laughs) Right. And I just think, of course, that just annihilates any sense of trust there, which just jacks up the fear in its place and creates all of that, again, anxiety in the nervous system. And yeah, I think that that is a massive freaking blind spot for those leaders. I mean, it literally happened to me, right? Like we were in a departmental meeting at my last job and the, I guess it was the general manager or I guess director, he asked the group and he said like, how are people feeling about returning to work? And we did one of those like word, uh, I don't know, word things that the bigger words are more said and the smaller words are not said. Yeah. And, and basically the top two words were like, I'm feeling anxious about going back in and I'm feeling like unsettled about it. And and then literally two days later, they they released the company-wide email that was like, you're going back to work for like three days a week or something. 
and it was like it was yeah and i mean obviously it's it's not entirely his decision happens Mm -hmm. above him but Mm -hmm. it's like why did you ask if you don't want to know the answer and if Mm -hmm. you're not going to use the answer well mike sandy was referring to that right is like the responsiveness like hello it's great to ask questions that does show that you care but if you don't actually <laughs> show that you listen to the responses, if you're not responsive in terms of reflecting that you hear them, um, and then, yeah, like being transparent about what it is that you've decided as a result of taking everybody's opinion into account, then obviously that's why I'm saying it's like it's a bit tone deaf, right? Like, how do you think those people are going to feel? They're definitely not going to feel safe coming back because they don't feel like this, the conditions are safe because they don't feel heard and they don't feel seen and they don't feel respected. Yeah, and, and it like, for me, I mean, it all comes back to trust, right? And we talk about the show, trust is the foundation. You can't really have a team without trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like... They're in the Thin Book of Trust by Charles Feltman. They talk about four elements that underlie what trust is. And it's care, sincerity, reliability, and competence. So the first one is care. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. so if you're asking a question and you want to hear people and you want them, and, and the the underlying thing is not whether or not the person actually cares. It's how the person assesses whether or not you care. Mm-hmm. So like example, it's, it's not like if, if I'm looking at Susan, it's not whether Susan actually cares about me. It's whether I perceive and assess Susan as caring about me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's the most important thing about trust. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're losing it is I actually believe that the vast majority of leaders and executives out there care about their people like Mm -hmm. obviously they're not like oh you know maybe a few don't but most of them Mm -hmm. generally do Mm -hmm. but the problem is is your people are not seeing that or hearing that and so that assessment of care gets broken yeah well i think it, it it does because the reality is these leaders are stressed out too I sit here talking to them all week long. These these leaders are really stressed. This is a lot of responsibility to have to make these types of decisions. But especially leaders, you know, who don't know how to lead in these conditions. They've been super stressed, right? Because maybe they're not at the office, like being used to looking over the shoulders and being able to walk up and have those impromptu conversations. And maybe that was their predominant leadership style. Like some of these executives have been doing it that way for 30, 35 plus years, you know? So I think the reality of this, and this is where we start to see these stats around these, um, these employers in the PI index study that you sent me a while back, the, the employees, um, 36% of employees said that they, they think that they they see their uh, leaders burnt out, right? Like that they're, they're they believe that their leaders are burnt out based on what it is that they're seeing, um, and that's the thing. I think we have to remember that one of the the most important aspects of all of this, right, in terms of the burnout, is the ripple effect of what's being modeled from the top. And I think where these leaders are really stressed and they're not knowing how to manage that or regulate that stress, then. They might accidentally, right, be 
leaning hard into these expectations that they have as a way of trying to compensate for the lack of control that they feel. And even though they care about their people, maybe it's not feeling like that to their people because they're leaning so hard into terms in terms of trying to maladaptively right the ship and navigate the storm. And so this is something that I, I definitely think we need to talk about, right? Is like with our leaders, what are our leaders really doing from a self-awareness perspective in regards to their levels of stress? Because that, that model carries the most weight. We say that on the show all the time. If you have a leader at the front of the room is saying, we really care about you guys. Don't worry. We're creating safe conditions for you to come back to work, right? But that leader is lacking some boundaries because they've been really, you know, trying to lean so hard into how to compensate in these remote circumstances. Then all of a sudden, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to jack up the fear and the experience of those employees even more, right? Because it's hard to trust a leader in a stressed out state. That's basically what it boils down to. And it makes sense why, right? And I talk about this in, in IFS terms, but when we talked at the beginning about grit and, and you said it's, it's quote unquote, who we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it is an, there is a part of us that is yeah. great at grit, mm-hmm. right? And in IFS terms, we would call them a manager. Mm-hmm. And so we have many parts inside of ourselves and that's what happens in these stressful situations is the managers or the firefighters take over and drive the bus. And if you think about it in terms of the movie Inside Out, like Lewis Black is the anger emotion and he starts driving the the little girl. Uh That's exactly what's happening. And that's where you literally change personalities. Mm -hmm. And so that's where, you know, you have to understand and that's the self-awareness piece is who's driving the bus at what moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's really where we want to call on our leaders to begin. It always starts with the awareness. Awareness has to come before the intelligence. You can't solve it before you acknowledge it, right? But I think that because burnout is so rampant, because Gallup reports engagement to be only 18%, (laughs) right? Like that's the whole reason why we started this show because we realize the conditions that our leaders are trying to lead in, right? Like there's just the, it, it would be impossible for our leaders not to be experiencing stress on some level. So it's not the stress itself that's the problem. It's the awareness of the stress that's the problem for most leaders, right? It's like they don't, they don't, if they're just doing their best, right, to try to hold things together, and that's their way way of showing their, their teams or their people that they care, they don't realize that they're lacking boundaries, their expectations are too high, that they're not creating safe conditions for their people, then, yeah, they don't have the opportunity to practice the responsibility that we say leadership requires, right? Because leadership really is, you have a responsibility to all those people that are looking to you as that model. Because all those people are looking to you, whether you're the parent or you're the, right, the boss (laughs) or the manager in a work context, those people are looking to you to know how to feel about the circumstances and the conditions, right? 
So yeah, I think it, it definitely all starts with the self-awareness, but I think it's also about the responsibility piece. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's those small things too, right? As trust mm-hmm. is built in these small moments where you have a choice to either lean in and build trust or lean out and yeah. destroy trust. Mm-hmm. And if we're always running in this burnout, like controlled way, these moments, we're not going to take advantage of them. And it may not even be, we may not even, for most people, we don't realize that we're not. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the big piece when we talk about self-awareness. And we always start with self-awareness before we get into, you know, the actual nuts and bolts of like building trust and like safety with your teams and, you know, and communication and all these things. But it's like if you don't realize how you feel and how you're showing up, mm-hmm. then you may hammer that email or that text out at 3 a.m. and the way it lands on your employees is much different than how you may have intended it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's the responsibility of a leader, right? It's like we have to remember that the state really is the most important aspect of how a leader shows up, right? So much stems from the quality of state that that leader is in. All of those things that you just referenced, in fact, right? In terms of the quality of their communication, the quality of their model, the quality of the conditions that they're creating for their teams to thrive in. I think that... um, And that really is where we struggle when it comes to prolonged periods of stress, because the very nature of stress itself is that it puts us in a very constricted and limited perspective where we, of course, undoubtedly have all kinds of blind spots, right, in terms of how we're showing up and the impact of how we're showing up. And so that is the number one call, right, is like our our leaders out there, like how self-aware are you about who's driving your bus, who's governing that state, who's governing the quality of decisions that are being made from the state that you are in as you show up and impact the lives of your people. I think that really is what we're trying to make sure that we call on our leaders to explore, right? Or just ways for them to enhance their mindfulness in and around that that very aspect of the quality of state that they're in. Absolutely. And like we're bringing on another assessment actually, and Dave Schweiger will be on in the next few weeks to talk about it. But there's there's two that might be interesting for folks out there. And it's basically one is from a corporate perspective, it's going to survey the team and see how your leadership behavior lands with them. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot about the things that you do and how they feel about it and the things that you're doing and how often you're doing them and, and those type of things. And the other one's actually in a remote context. So how are you leading in a remote context mm-hmm. and how is it landing with your people? So it's another option if you want to go down this route is you can get the feedback from how from your people on how your leadership is landing with them. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I think that is game changer to have that kind of intel as a leader. Yes, please sign my leaders up. 
And I also, we literally, I sent you, literally sent you just a research paper with someone's master's thesis, like, I don't know, half an hour before we started this. And it was talking about just the importance of inclusive leadership Mm -hmm. in building psychological safety and how that leads to employee engagement in a Mm -hmm. remote context. It does work. The research says it. It's hot research off the press. If you want to, if you want that paper, just shoot me an email. I'll send it to you. Um, but absolutely, it does work. So it's not just an in-office, in-person thing. It also applies remotely. Well, I think the reality of a leader's li- life, right, is like they they have a tremendous amount of responsibility. So I think that in and of itself is oftentimes the number one roadblock, right, to this um, in terms of empowering them to play their biggest impact game and empowering their people to play their biggest impact game is that the very nature of their schedules, right? It's like they don't have a a lot of excess bandwidth lying around. And that's why I think things like assessments, you know, we're rolling out all of this in terms of psych safety assessments and PI assessments and having these types of tools in your toolbox, I just think is a game changer strategy, right? For any leader because of the reality of how busy they are. They just, it, it's impossible for them to be able to manage all of these different pieces. But uh, but also just in, in terms of intervention. So like, let's just talk about that for, for a second, because I think, you know, as much as we're throwing out some pretty alarming stats on the table in terms of how rampant um, burnout is, um, I know when Dr. Melanie DeCuna, our burnout expert, was on uh, back in, I think, the beginning of summer, she was talking about the fact that here in Canada, we we lose billions in productivity because of burnout. And in the States, it's trillions of dollars lost. And some of the research that she brought to us is it's almost a four to one return on investment, right? For every dollar you spend on workplace wellness, um, in terms of bringing in experts on this concept to be able to intervene on burnout with either the leader, the leadership team, or their people. Um, yeah, that's a significant ROI, right? $4 returned on the every dollar spent on workplace wellness programs like our breaking burnout, right? Um, so I think that is also an incredible resource for a leader because if the reality is you're burnt out, your people are burnt out, you don't <laughs> got a lot of extra resources for figuring out how to pump the brakes on the burnout that's happening in your culture. But if it's happening in your culture, then obviously there needs to be some form of intervention. Absolutely. And it's it's funny, right? Like mental health is the n- number one cause for short-term and long-term disability. And so yeah. this is part of that, right? Like if you're Absolutely. seeing the disengagement, the, the uh, what do they call it? The, the cynicism, like that can quickly turn into depression, um, obviously, burnout is is basically anxiety over a long period of time, mm-hmm. and so you can absolutely see how this this kind of ties together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it costs it costs a lot. Like, not that we want to talk about cost, but it costs a lot, both from a human perspective and from a business perspective, to have somebody on either short term or long term disability. Yeah, I mean, the reality is that our health is intricately linked to our performance. 
period, bottom line. I mean, it's the same as us talking about all of this in the context of sports, right? Your health is is the vehicle for performance. That's why we say the quality of state that you're in is like carries the most weight in terms of the quality of impact and results that you're going to be able to produce as a business. But the reality is once you get to that brick wall known as burnout, that's like a reckless thing for a leader to allow that to happen because there can be irreparable damage that happens to the human beings that actually have that experience in the context of work, yeah. right? It's like whether that's mental health or physical health, the, the reality of the stress response, if you're in those prolonged periods of that and you're stuck in that sympathetic overdrive is it starts to totally suppress your immune system. And that's where you start to see some of these really dangerous health issues popping up. But yeah, the reality in terms of the, the performance, once you hit that brick wall, because I do, I see it in my practice, it's a long road back, right? And yeah, maybe you're losing some of your top talent because you just weren't, weren't doing anything to intervene on the symptoms that you were seeing that were indications that you were getting close to that brick wall or that person was getting close to that brick wall. So I think that's why we, we put together that breaking burnout program and some of the other things that we've put together in terms of these leadership offerings right now, because it's the responsiveness we talked about a second ago. And that is the responsibility of every single leader out there listening right now. It's not, it's not okay for you guys to see this and not do anything about it, but we also realize what you're up against in terms of the bandwidth. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, that's the last thing that we wanted to land on, right? It's just like, if you're seeing any of these, these symptoms that are popping up in, in yourself or your people, it's, it's reckless and it's irresponsible to look the other way and neglect that and not do anything about it. But there are incredible resources out there. We've got a bunch that we've put together for our people. I know a lot of the guests that have been coming on over the pandemic on our show have had some great resources that they've been throwing out to our tribe. Um, but yeah, that's the call today, isn't it, sir? It's the call and it's, it doesn't have to be that time intensive either, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And I know like some of the programs we run are a few hours a week, but we're going to be talking to Kevin from Focuscom um, next week and they have an EEG headband with some apps that we're actually going to put together some, some of our, our meditations on there, but they've seen a reduction or they proved a reduction in anxiety symptoms in mm -hmm. basically like 12 to 15 minute a day exercises wow. over five week period. That's so amazing. these are available like teams or individuals. You can access those. Just let us know. We can hook you up. Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's, it doesn't have to be this massive thing where you have to meditate five hours a day. Not at all. Move to Malaysia no, or Tibet no. and, and do a Bali. silent retreat. Yeah. <laughs> no, our breaking burnout program is only six weeks. It's an hour a week. It's it's. I don't think that that's asking too much if you're in a crisis to be able to correct the course on that um, and navigate your way safely through and your people safely through. Uh, back onto solid ground. But the other thing that I think has been really exciting for the leadership teams I've been working through that is that they've seen that's been a launch pad for performance because yep. once they get to that six week on solid ground, they've also developed the understanding of what actually fuels high performance, which is the quality of their state and having a toolbox full of strategies that help you responsibly and sustainably 
regulate your state, right? So that you and your people can really have the resources to be able to show up, right? In that peak state, in that flow. Um, yeah, that's 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 the silver lining of all of this, right? Is if 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 and we talk about this all the time with high achievers. I wish my high achievers came whistling through the door, like, oh, I could just learn a little bit more about how to, you know, how to maximize my performance or optimize my potential. But the reality is that high achievers, they need pain. They need that brick wall, right? Oftentimes, the wheels have to come off the bus in order for them to even get exposed to the power of this mindset strategy architecture. So that's where I want to leave people. That's where I want to drop the mic today is like, not only are we calling on our leaders to responsibly own um, the awareness, right? In terms of calibrating any signs or symptoms of burnout that are going on with themselves or their people, but also like, let's go, let's, let's, let's get those interventions in place. Let's help your people, but also let's really open them up to that opportunity, right? To learn about strategies from a mindset perspective in terms of how to play their biggest impact game. (laughs) I love it. And, you know, as the anchor on the team, um, I'll leave you with another quote from, from Dr. Rick Hansen. And he says, when we treat others with respect and caring, the best in them usually comes out. Much the same would happen if we could treat ourselves the same way. I love it. And so if you haven't yet, hit subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. If you want to get Susan or I, you can reach out, Susan at EliteHighPerformance.com, Rob at EliteHighPerformance.com, or you can hit me up on LinkedIn as well. And you can hit Susan up on LinkedIn as well. If you want to check out our offerings, our website is now up to date. So you can go over to EliteHighPerformance.com and check out all the cool stuff we got going down. And we really appreciate you listening check how you're feeling, check how your people are feeling and really calibrate their state. And we'll see you all next week. Bye everyone.